Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Coaches Road podcast. Today, we're joined by Lara Andelin, a psychotherapist, mental coach, and CEO of Into Mental Coaching Service here in Finland. Rick, I really enjoyed today's conversation with Lara, and, and the topic that we hit on today, the psychological safety, is, is one that's really important when you when you think about development and, and how kids learn and, and how people learn. And uh, this this idea of psychological safety, as, as Laura gets into it, is something that everyone needs in order to, to be themselves and, and to develop. So it's a, a really important conversation today and a really interesting conversation with Laura. She's she's very knowledgeable and and can really answer answer our questions well. So there's something for everyone to take away. Yes, we have been talking about psychological safety very often already, but actually what I enjoyed so much about this conversation is actually how do we create a psychological safe environment why is it important to create a psychological environment and actually she also mentions a lot of practical examples how to cooperate with an individual and how to make him or her feel psychological safe and i hope everyone is enjoying the episode So we would like to welcome on to the Coaches Road podcast, Laura Andelin, the CEO of Into Mental Coaching Service, as well as a psychotherapist and mental coach. Laura, thanks for joining us today. How's everything going for you? Thank you very much. Wonderful, busy week now and just enjoying the autumn. And thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure for me to, to be, be chatting with you from very interesting mental coaching area today yeah once again thanks for taking the time and joining us and our first question we have for you is um what is something you have learned recently that you found really impactful and which you're using in your work currently well i would have to say this year 2020 has been very exceptional for all of us so one of my main interests in mental well-being as, as well mental coaching area is resilience which means that how does individual cope in different kinds of circumstances. And I would have to say I've learned a lot about uh, resilience and how I deal with different kinds of situations. And I think that there might be a some little little digi digital intelligence, you know, growing inside of me that I didn't even know. So I would have to say it's that one. Yeah, that's uh, I think something we're all kind of picking up as we go and, and getting used to these these Zoom meetings and, and everything like that. So your position as a CEO of Into Mental Coaching Services and, and being a psychotherapist and a mental coach, how did you get into that and um, kind of how did that position come about in your company? Uh, well, I have been working um, in the field of mental coaching and mental well-being for 20 years now mainly with children, adolescents and families in different different kind of areas. And I have been working with athletes and sport organizations for 10 years now. And uh, uh, my main focus nowadays is, is to concentrate on children and adolescents mental coaching services in Finland and, uh, and abroad as well. And that started uh, 2018 
when I got involved into a very interesting project where we had to had to plan um, and to build up different kind of methods, just mainly focus on children and adolescents. So I'm in that path as well, and that's that's very interesting. And and, and one of the things I've done for 20 years, but now mostly with athletes. Yeah, I think because of your experience working for 20 years in the field of mental coaching, I think you will have some very interesting things for us to share today. And the topic we want to speak with you today about specifically is psychologically, psychological safetyness. And uh, it is, especially when working with athletes, it's something very crucial, relevant and necessary to consider. And our first question here for you is that, um, how does psychological safety impact development? So in other words, what is psychological safety? What if I would start with what is psychological safety? I think in a nutshell, I would say that psychological safety means that an individual feels safe, whether the individual is working uh, with athletes or is an athlete or is, is a schoolgirl or a boy or, or a friend or a daughter or a boy. But we can we can have environment we can have a safe environment, but um, it's different thing if you feel safe or not to feel safe. And to feel safe is very important when we think about developmental issues and learning as well. So then why is it you know so important for someone to to feel safe when you think about an athlete or a, just a, a young person in general? Well, if I would have to have to say it uh, in a few sentences, I would say that if you don't feel safe, you're not able to learn that much. Our brain is very, very old uh, and the basic functions of our brain are very old. And if we don't feel safe, our brain will, will start to focus on how to feel safe. So if we have the capacity and the knowledge to build psychologically safe environment where we can practice, for example, uh, then we can use the whole potential that individual might, might have. So that's why it's crucial for developmental and for learning as well. So then kind of getting into this idea a little bit more, um, can you talk about a little a bit of the differences between psychological safety and its development in children and, and young adults and then moving all the way up into to adults? Well, this is a very wide question, but uh, I will start with children, of course, because that's that's when our brains start to function and develop. Uh, if we think about small small children, of course, um, the, the most wanted position would that a child would feel safe. For example, with parents, of course. And when a child feels safe, he's able to learn, he's interested in new things, his developmental areas roll around very neutral and positive way. And when we move on um, to the age from, I would say, if I think about children from seven till 12, that's, that's the uh, developmental phase where our brains start to learn more. We could, we become to be more aware of what we are, where we come from, who are we dealing with, what do we want to learn, what we are interested in. And uh, in, that, in that phase, uh, if I think about, for example, coaching with children, it's very important that coaches know the, just the basics of psychological safety and what it means and try to create 
as, as well as they know at that time the psychological safety so that all the individuals would be able to learn to trust, be interested, motivated about new things. And when we move up to adolescence, of course, that's the developmental phase where you will have to be more independent and you start to learn new things by yourself and you want to maybe do some things different and that's very good and when we head to young adulthood or be adults that's when our brains start to function and learn to do things that are good for us and we will have to remember that uh, we are officially we're adults when we're 18 but our brains function and develop so much more. We we already know that it's very, very good information that we know that our brain develops throughout our age, which, which is very, very good information. But when we think about young adulthood, I would say that our brain starts to develop and function more and more around 23, 27. So when we're 18, we're officially adults, but actually our brains are adults when we're approximately 25. So following up on that, you know, um, when, when you finally reach that point where your, your brains are kind of fully developed and everything like that is, is psychological safety. Is that something that you can develop for yourself? Is that something that you can find for yourself or is it kind of impacted by the environment around you? And I'm sure we'll get into this more later, but just kind of briefly here. Very good question. Yeah. Um, if I think about when we are adults, of course, we have very good capacity then to learn different kind of things and, 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 and to focus and influence on the on the things that we want to um, be more aware of. And for example, who we want to be around with. But when we're children and adolescents, uh, we cannot choose so much. So so that's the phase where it's highly important that the adults around us knows the basics of psychological safety because you could even say it like this that um, an individual develops throughout other people so who are the people and how do they act when an individual is a child or an adolescent that's why it's so important that for example coaches know the basics of building psychologically safe environment when we dive a little bit into the self-determination theory, theory um, and speaking specifically about autonomy, could you please discuss the impact that autonomy and allowing individuals room to be themselves has on that psychological safety? Yeah, this is this is a very good and wide, wide question again. And maybe I would narrow it down to being uh, adolescents. And by that, I mean from, I would say, around 13 till 18. So that would be the age when normally a child begins to learn and know more about himself and want to, want to make decisions by himself. And uh, that developmental age, I would say it's kind of like um, age where you can dance, for example, with your coach. And by dancing, I would mean that uh, in that age, you already know uh, mostly about where you're good at, what are your specific skills where you can rely on. You've probably heard many things from your coaches that what are you good at, what's your strength, what's your capacity, where could you go, what would be the next steps. 
And then I would say that the dancing part means that if we have very wise coach, he knows how to build the self-esteem and to build the capacity to make independent, um, independent um, thinking and um, decisions concerning, for example, your practice and development developmental phases because um, in the other hand if you would have coach that would always say like you're gonna have to do like this and uh, I want you to do exactly how I told you and don't want to hear any questions about anything then we would actually probably get very good robotic young athlete to work with us in a certain level but when we think about the developmental phases and the age that is behind it all we want to be more independent. We want to learn how to trust ourselves. And a wise coach would give specific directions, good guidance, guidance about certain areas, and then would ask more. Okay, what would be your decision at this point? How would you want to do in here? Okay, you just did a decision like that. Do you know, would you have any other options? What would they be? So we would actually encourage the young athlete to be more independent, to have higher self-esteem and capacity to trust himself and to make good decisions. And mostly important, when he doesn't make good decisions, he will, he will make bad decisions as we all do. A wise coach would say, okay, well done. What's your gonna, what, 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 is, your, what is it that you're gonna do now? What's the first step? Cause, okay, we did a mistake, what now? So we would always build to make decisions by himself so that he would have high self-esteem and learn to trust himself and mostly would learn that it doesn't matter whether you make mistakes or not, you will just have to focus on the first step, what you're going to do afterwards. And if we are able to do this more and more, many times, do repetitions, then I think that we would have an athlete in the age of 15, 16, 17, 18, where he would, he would have very normal, nice way to know himself and um, a wide enough autonomy to understand that I'm individual, I need other person, but I can manage on my own, but I wanna be around other people. So kind of like the dancing would be a little bit of coaching, a little bit of autonomy, a little bit of self-esteem and good questions. A little bit of directions and good questions to develop more. Yeah, and I totally think that the questions you gave us here as example are very effective in terms of developing um, independent thinking, and they are very thought-provoking and they might also help athletes to uh, solve problems in the long-term run. And as a follow-up here, we want to ask you, is there a limit to this autonomy that can lead to a D-line and psychological safety. Uh, do you mean the opposite direction? So, so that no, well, I didn't. Is, well, well, is there a certain amount of, or to phrase it in this way, is there, is it possible that individuals can get too too much autonomy? Autonomy, and what is the, or if so, what is the consequence of it? Yeah, very, very good question again. Uh, again, I would go down to the psychological dance because um, when we think about adolescence age, so from 13 until 18, uh, the brain's 
are not there yet. They do not function yet <laughs> the way that we would want them to learn when the full capacity is there at around adulthood, around 25. So that would be like uh, giving a too big backpack for ad adult, uh, for, for adolescents to carry on. So we would then we would be in a situation where uh, we would want more to happen than uh, is possible yet. And uh, of course, when we know that we have very different kind of personalities, we, we have in Finland, we have Sisu, this gut kind of like inner strength to just maintain and, and carry on. So when we think about, for example, young athlete with high Sisu, a lot of inner strength, uh, he might think that, okay, I'm going to be there. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do exactly as the coaches tell me to do. I know it all. I've done it before. I'm there. And that might work well for, for a certain period of time. But I would say the brains uh, would be overloaded um, when we would just move forward in that kind of a situation because uh, we will have to understand when we are, for example, coaching children and adolescents that the brains are still developing and they're still learning. And that means that the responsibility for the interaction is with adult or with the coaches. So we cannot ask or make demands that, that uh, the young athlete isn't, isn't able to, to to learn or do yet uh, or that then it would go down to i would say a little bit little bit too much to sisu and gut and not that much on well-being and i i can be mostly sure that uh, most most of the coaches want that our athletes know themselves as an athlete individuals friends and they they maintain good mental well-being and they feel good whether they succeed in sport or not. So you've, you've mentioned it a couple times here that you know the brains of these adolescents are developing at, at different times. So how as a coach do you know when athletes are ready to start being given some more autonomy? By asking, by asking and just observing. Coaching, I think that coaching is very, very interesting and very demanding area. Because, for example, when we think about team, you have 20 individuals there. And really, you have 20 individuals. And individuals, they work in different kind of ways, which is normal. And that's the way it should be. Of course, you, you will have to have the basic rules for everybody on them. That's psychological safety as well, that you have the basic rules for everybody. You are the coach, you're responsible for the interaction, you will have the basic rules. But then, if, if possible, just a short chit chat every now and then, how are you doing? How are we doing? What's going on between you and me as a coach? How am I doing on your point of view? When you, when you start, to, start to build psychologically safe, environment around athletes um, I would I would say that the most important thing is to get to know your athletes and to talk a lot you know have a jokes keep it relaxed normal simple have the basic rules and then ask 
because you will learn by doing and you will learn by asking. Ask more and don't interpret it. I would say that that's, that's more important. Just to ask, how are you doing? I noticed that you kind of like your brains were today there. Um, are you exhausted about something? Do you have worries about something? Is there something I, that I could help you with? Okay, nothing to worry about. Well, if something pops into your mind, please let me know. That's, that's important for me to, to, to be aware of what's going on. Just the information that I'm, I'm interested as, an, as a coach is, is very good bridge, I would say, for, for, for positive interaction between coach and athlete. So you, you've already mentioned it um, briefly here, but we want to kind of get into it a little bit more. So as coaches, what, what is our role in actually establishing the, the psychological safety with, with an indi individual and then with a broader picture in mind as the whole team? Well, the role, I think that um, I would say as, as for coaching team, because I think that coaches work, work within teams as well. The whole coaching team first would be that the coaches would have to feel safe. And by that, I mean that, this, for example, the sport organization is well organized. Coaches feel appreciated and they feel that their work is appreciated. They have certain amount of autonomy their personal way, personal way of coaching is, is appreciated as well. And they feel safe because actually when we think about our um, interaction, 70 or 80% of our interaction is nonverbal. And nonverbal interaction means that what we say, uh, what, are, what is the a rhythm of our voice, what, what kind of a body language do we use, what kind of a emotions do we show from our face or from our body. And children and adolescents are very aware of the nonverbal communication. So if a coach would not feel safe, that would be something that the children and adolescents would be aware of. So first, start by yourself, feel safe, or talk with your coaching colleagues or with the sport organization that so that the working environment is, is recently safe for you and, and you will feel good. And afterwards, if that is okay, of course, for example, when we think about beginning of the season, um, I would say that one very easy, easy way to start to build the psychological safety within the team would be uh, when you have a first chat with your athlete. Uh, you might want to ask that, hey, 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 Rudy, um, this is the first time when we see and sit down and chit chat for a while. Uh, could I ask you just kind of like memorize or what pops into your mind? Do you have one or two person in mind, um, coach or a teacher, or maybe relative or something that has had good impact on you, has been encouraging for you, or has given you good support? And then when an athlete talks about one or two person in mind. Okay, I had the coach just a year ago and he was very good at this one. And whenever I did that, he was very supportive. Then you might want to focus on, okay, what did he do? What did he say exactly? 
please let me know what were the things that were good for you? Because I, as a coach, want to know that what are the methods that help you to feel safe around me? So in the beginning, just a few questions would give me very good information about what is impactful and, and why just within a few years. Then I wouldn't have to observe so much. I wouldn't have to, you know, try, try to search that what would be good. I would already have one or two very good tips. I would rely on those and then I would start to observe and then I would start to widen the relationship among us. And probably I would ask that, hey, would it be okay for you? Uh, I have this habit, is it okay for you that every now and then I'm gonna ask you like, what's going on, how are you doing? And then I'm gonna ask, how are we doing? Cause I'm interested in what's going on between you and me, how do you feel with me? So that's why I would ask, how are we doing? And if you don't feel good around me, I might say stupid things though. Oh, okay, I know I have bad jokes. Please let me know, just, just tell me that, okay, I haven't been there there now for the past few weeks. There's something that is bothering me. And then I would know how to strengthen our relationship. So Laura, you mentioned previously that the majority of our in interaction is nonverbal. What kind of effect does it have on an individual when our interactions are very negative for posing a player? Well, if you would start to imagine, I, I would have to say that I think that we all have some kind of a negative in, in experiences in our life. Uh, we could think of some person or some kind of a situation where we didn't feel that good. We were probably given lectures or, or feedback that wasn't that good or maybe we were afraid of some coach or teacher or, or person around us if we could just kind of like think about that situation think about what happened between me and the other person that i wasn't so secure with i think that we could actually feel it in our body we would probably be a little bit tensed we, we, we kind of like wouldn't feel so good or relaxed. And uh, if we can come up with a situation where there might be a little bit of fear or embarrassment going on, then we might even feel that, okay, I, I just want to concentrate out of, on how to get, get away from this situation. I, I don't want to be here. What can I do to get away? kind of like be a little bit tensed and, and overwhelmed about the situation, we might even feel that the capacity of our brains would narrow down to just, to just think about a few things, how to get away, how to probably fight in a certain level, I don't mean physically fight, but verbally or something, or then just freeze. Our brains, when we don't feel secure, will have three ways to work. It's fight, flight or freeze. And you might recognize it just by starting to remember or think about situation where you don't feel safe that your natural way would be fight, flight or freeze. And then 
what happens is that our brain just start to focus on that one. How can I fight? How can I get away? Shall I freeze? And then we are not able to learn much more. All the or the upper functions of our brains kind of shut down. We we will just have to focus on surviving. So that is something that we don't want to build up when we think about building safe environment with with our athletes. So you already mentioned uh, a couple of the questions that we can ask to kind of get the other impact, the other people that impact the the athlete psychological safety. So what are those other sources that that impact that psychological safety? And what are some of the ways that we can start to work with them to holistically make the athlete feel more safe? Well, if we think about um, coaching, I think that um, if we coach for many years for one team, uh, our role is very important and it might be crucial for some athletes. So I would say that we have wonderful position then to, to focus and to affect on, on children's lives, adolescents' lives. I would warn them if they would be asked afterwards that how did you feel with Laura? What did you learn with Laura? Uh, what, what kind of things did you, did you uh, manage to um, go through together? Um, in my ideal picture, the athletes would say, uh, I was always, um, I, I felt welcomed. I, I, I felt kind of like that uh, when we had the most successful moments or whether we didn't succeed at all, I was still important. I was there. And if I would ask that, okay, how, why, why did you feel like that? Where, where, from where can you see it? I would want in an ideal picture, the athlete to, under, uh, to answer something like, okay, she always joked with me. She was there. She still smiled. Every now and then she gave me a few little bit more tough words on, okay, now we, now I want you to focus on this one. I want you to hear me and I want you to focus on this one for three minutes now. Are you there? So I would want the athletes to recognize that I was strict in certain level. I was trustworthy. I knew what I did and asked, but I asked and was interested about the individual. And I would say, although... Uh, humor might not be appropriate in in uh, all circumstances in all circumstances, but I would say that in ninety five it's wonderful. <laughs> we don't just have to think about what can the jokes do we want to spread around and when. But whenever you can make a person smile or kind of like chit chat or laugh a bit, that relaxes the mind and the body. So that's always very good for the mind and body and the brain as well. So I would want the athletes to say that Laura had really bad jokes, but I had wonderful time with her. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's I think, we all striving for when we're coaching our athletes that we actually hope that they have a wonderful time and they enjoying be that they enjoy being around us um and you kind of described this already a little bit but what are the steps that a coach needs to take to start developing psychological safety in the athletes from a long-term process view if we start again from the youngest one towards the oldest one if you could describe that in a small nutshell 
we have programs to support this kind of a, this this kind of work with coaches, of course, because this this is a marathon, not a sprint. Of course, when we think about children, adolescents, adults, there are three <laughs> different kind of developmental areas. But in a nutshell, I would say focus on adults around individuals. So in children, I would say focus on parents and coaches. Parents play a huge role in children's life. When the child turns into being an adolescent, I would say focus on coaches, supporting and coaching. And as a young adult, support coaches and athletes. That would be in a nutshell. Yeah, so going into um, kind of how a player feels and, and kind of being able to to recognize that as a coach, what are what are some of the signs or behaviors that someone shows when they're when they're feeling psychologically safe inside their team? Again, I would go down to humor. If you have been working with a team for for example a few months, uh, the few things that I, I kind of like observe when I'm start starting to work with new team is that do they have uh, inside jokes? Do they play around with each other? Do you have something that I'm not aware of, but they are aware of? Because that's that's one, one good simple sign of psychologically safe environment. They joke around, feel around, be goofy about things, and, and they they have the courage to do it. They they know that they don't want to be that they are not embarrassed about something. Then I would observe how do the coaches work with their athletes. I would want the coach to be um, in a good way, strict, kind of like old fashioned way, good way, strict, good boundaries, um, good respect on athletes. And I would search and want to see that athletes respect the coach as well. It's something that will have to happen in the beginning of the season as well. And then I would want to see different kind of personalities in that team. I wouldn't want to see 20 similar personalities when they're, for example, 15 year old ice hockey players. I would want to see 15 different kind of personalities just to check it out that, okay, do they have the capacity? Do they have the space to be what they are? And maybe the last one that I would observe in the beginning would be that how do coaches react and what do they say and what do they do when they uh, see and recognize that an athlete fails? Something happen, happens that the athlete feels really, really crappy and, and bad about himself. And what do the coaches do then? So what about the, the reverse scenario? What are the, what are the kind of signs and behaviors that an athlete shows when they're not feeling safe in a team and, and they're not feeling safe around their coaches um, or, or kind of their teammates as well? Well, of course, we will have to think and, and realize that an individual as a whole, um, it, it you know, contains so, so, so many different kind of things. Um, by that, I mean that an individual might have um, different kind of situations of so struggling at school or in a relationship or anything. But if we just want to focus on, on athletes and coaching, so we would think that nothing else is now, now involved in this coaching, coaching session. Um, well, I would check out, um, of course, 
uh, if we would have had a good interview or a chit chat with our athletes in the beginning of the season, and then, for example, after three months, we would we would start to notice that hey, okay, uh, Jake is somehow different now. I can see that Jake isn't fooling around. He is a bit bit more tensed, or he's fighting, or you know, struggling a lot. We would search or or recognize some kind of a differences uh, within the individual's behavior when we would compare it, what we saw, for example, in the beginning of the season. Again, this is very hard, but manageable situation because we have 20, if we think about coaching as a team, we have 20 different kind of individual individuals. That's why this goes again down to knowing your individuals. I would want to recognize the um, Differences that I would see within individuals about their behavior. Again, I would use the same very important questions that I would have already repeated many times. Like, okay, how are you doing, Jake? What's going on with your life? How are we doing? Again, by repeating these simple questions, I would already be there and hopefully would hear if something would happen. And for example, if Jake would be in a situation where he wouldn't recognize, wouldn't want to speak, wouldn't want to know, then I would just take a little bit more time with Jake and encourage him to say that, okay, you don't have to maybe speak now, maybe you don't know, maybe you don't recognize, that's normal. I would normalize the situation. And again, kind of like leave the door open. Just say that whatever pops into your mind, you might want to write it down or you can say it out loud. You can text to me, but I want you to know that I want to know I'm interested. And there are a lot of things that I've seen within my career, a lot of athletes, a lot of different kinds of circumstances. And I want you to know, Jake, <clears throat> that there's nothing that you should be embarrassed with me. I just want to know and I want to work this with you. And by by giving those questions and again throughout repetitions i would want to build safe environment for the athlete so that he would know and he would know me as a coach that whatever comes whatever comes to our way this is coach that i can rely to and i can speak out loud and that would be something when we think about the ethics or the um, very good coaching ways that I would want to spread around as a coach, like you're safe with me, you can speak up like whatever it takes. If it's in sports, that's okay. If it's not in sports, that's okay as well. Definitely, I think again, that's a very important way how to approach an individual carefully if he or she does not feel very well, because you might also not know external circumstances from the individual what goes on in his or her life and taking this even a little bit one step forward making it a little bit more extreme what are the consequences when someone does not feel psychological safe around the coach yeah in the beginning i would i would say that that, that was uh, kind of like good summary what you just said uh, just just to kind of like sit down chit chat to know your athletes um, don't interpret like like i said before because we don't know just ask teach your athletes by asking that 
you're worth it. You're a real reliable person. And uh, if you would start to kind of like, you know, to sh shut the questions like, oh, is there something at school? Is there something with your girlfriend? Is there something with mom or dad? Is there something with teacher? Probably you wouldn't get so much information. But just by asking, it's an, uh, we have been saying that this is an uh, open question technique. Ask something just to let the door open. Like, if there's something that you want to say, I'm around, please let me know. I'm here for you. I'm interested in you. Then you will give the good space for individual to make the decision on his own. Like, okay, now this is the moment that I'm going to talk or I'm going to put a text to my coach or I'm not going to do it. I'm not there yet. I'm not ready. So if you would already, if you would have done this, this is kind of like the best you can do and, and you would have done this and this is your way to work. And again, you would see that uh, there would be, for example, one athlete that would be really tensed, um, maybe maybe a little bit shut down. You can recognize that the person is not kind of like himself. You see the difference. Um, maybe maybe bad mouthing, or maybe maybe struggling with different kind of things that you already know that okay, he has the capacity. He's not there yet. Everything is not 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 now okay. Of course, I would have to recommend again to talk to you or to talk to somebody else. For example, if you would have a mental coach in your team, which would be, of course, wonderful, that mental coaching would be a natural, regular part of the coaching team. Then the co mental coach, of course, would probably have a little bit more wider range or capacity to work with an adult and start to kind of like dig deeper. But if you don't have a mental coach there, well, you can always have a mentor as in a coach, kind of like check out, okay, what am I gonna do now? Would you have a few, few you know, ideas for me? I need help now. You don't have to be alone with this. We, we will, coaching is definitely a thing that we will have to do together. But if again, you would see that there is an athlete and you're worried about uh, athletes well-being at the moment, and there's everything that you've done, that your capacity is there and, and you really wanna help and nothing is happening. Of course, I would spread the information wider, which means that, of course, I would talk it out loud in the coaching team, probably take mental coach with us, if, if possible or necessary, a person from the sport organization. And whenever we talk about children or adolescents, of course, with parents as well. Because children and adolescents can be very tough on themselves. And like I told before, their brains are there yet, so they need our support. And then when I think about mental well-being, that is the most important thing that we, we will have to value in sports. We can, we can be very successful in sports, but if our well-being is not successful, then we're not feeling safe and good, whatever happens within sports or anyway. So I would recognize, start what I can, spread the word around around me like coaching team or mental coaching or sport organization parents and react whenever you react or you pause for a while for an athlete it's always an important sign that you 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 are important to me i want to work with you although the athlete would not maybe feel like it. I don't want you to mess around. I don't want to be here around. Okay, is there some way that I can help? 
are again responsible for the interaction and the methods that we use when we work with minors. That's why this is a very important question and we will have to pause and react. Okay, so kind of going from from that and, and talking more about kind of some things that can can impact the 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 safety of an individual to to kind of lead to those consequences. Um, you know, a couple of weeks ago while we had on the the show Gordon Bloom talking about team building and the impact that that has on performance and development and everything like that. So, you know, what what are the impacts of of the peers that that are around an athlete or around an adolescent that that what is the impact that they have on the psychological safety of them because i always think of you know kids sometimes there is an easy one that they can you know pick on or something like that so what is what is that impact that they have on each other it's huge of course it's huge especially when we talk about children and adolescents and again uh, coach and coaching team is responsible for building a psychological safe environment. The kids, they are, are not there yet. They cannot do it. So that's why we will really have to work in the beginning of the season. For some teams, of course, it's natural. You know, the team just kind of like, they are just together, like they always would have done it and, and kind of like things go smooth and simple. But we, we all know that uh, in some teams, that ain't the way that it is. We will really have to work with the team. And I would work with the team uh, as many hours as it would take to build a neutral, good, positive atmosphere for, for the team. I, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't roll too much, move forward before that, because I, I would have the information. I would know that if, if they don't feel safe enough, they, they are not going to learn. <laughs> As, as well as they could. So I'm going to focus on this for two weeks more so that we can get more results later. I wouldn't want to miss the situation. Of course, um, as th this is, there's some issue that I speak a lot with children, which is a very good example uh, why we will have to work with parents as well. Uh, children from 7 till 12, uh, they tease and, and uh, kind of like, uh, learns how to be with themselves. So what it means, for example, for a 10 year old, let's say hockey player. Well, it means that they kind of like, uh, you know, they want to compete, they badmouth their selves, they, they are encouraging and they, they might, you, you know, even, even hit somebody or, or do, you know, stupid, funny things or whatever, just from, from one to 10, everything, all the colors. And what it means, if it has been happening for a few times, it doesn't mean that there's bullying or they might not feel psychologically safe. They are in a developmental age where they are just learning how to be with somebody else. They are learning the group work methods. They are learning how, how to win, how to lose, how to cooperate. Those are the skills that we will have to encourage. They are still learning. We cannot ask for them to manage if they if we haven't taught them how to manage in a team so usually around this age i talk a lot with parents about we don't have to worry about this kind of a situations where we work as a team with coaches we will have to recognize that the kids are in a very important area where they are still learning 
And by learning, I mean that the coaches can be more encouraging. They can show them model how to work. They can stop for a while, ask and pause like, okay, you will have to apologize. Now you will have to work like this. I would recommend you to do that. And then if we can get the parents around and we can talk uh, this natural way of learning with parents as well, we will give tips to the parents. When you go home, you might want to ask questions like this. You might want to encourage it that way. You might uh, show the model how to work. And actually when we cooperate coaches and parents and mental coaching and the kids all to the same process, it doesn't take so many, many days or weeks, probably two weeks, and then they're back again. So, so it's very important to speak out loud about this, these situations. And with adolescents, you will have to talk about these issues with coaching team, just to recognize this and then to teach and then, then to give good positive feedback, kind of like throughout repetitions to maintain the knowledge for the athletes. You mentioned the word competing here, and that's something uh, we always wish to see in our athletes during the practice. And I wanted to ask you this because the scenario occurs sometimes that you have players who are capable of competing very well in the practice and they feel psychological safe around you. You have the confirmation for them and you can actually see it from their behavior as well. But then during the game, sometimes happens um, in their head and they are not capable of displaying the same competition level than they do in practice. Um, what could be the reasons for this and how do we can actually help the individual to switch the light from practice to competition on and that they actually are capable of bringing the same performance? Yeah, very, very normal, normal situation, very common in mental coaching area. <laughs> so first of all, I would say congratulations on your psychological safety <laughs> on the practice. So if you would, if you would see a lot of athletes around you that, that compete very well and then succeed very well, I would, I would congratulate myself as a coach. Well done there. You are already there. Just how to move the same skills in a in a situation where we actually are competing and the stress level are a little bit more high. Uh, again, I would go down to individual methods now. If we think about, for example, 15-year-old year old girl who is who is uh, managing well in a in when when you're practicing and everything's rolling smoothly, everything is just 10 plus, and then exactly the same situation, but we're competing, all the lights are there, the pressure there. Then, for example, with 15-year-old, I would teach her how to recognize the way that she reacts and why. Because as a coach, of course, you are around when you practice certain skills. But um, you, you might not uh, be able to be that much around when you're competing. You're, you're more on your own then. So then, as a coach, I can just you know, again, recognize the situation, talk it out loud, and to encourage to know herself better. Okay, let's pause for a while with this one. When do you feel that you're a bit more tensed? What do you do? What are the exact methods that you can use when you start to be more tensed? Or what do you do when you notice that you failed exactly after 
the failure. So I would kind of like forget the failure. We mostly now speak about the fear of failure, which I don't like so much. I would like to speak about the skills of failure because we do fail and that's inevitable in sports. I would want to focus on what happens immediately after you failed and want the athlete to recognize the exact points, moments, decision, what she's making that are the ones that carries through, makes her stronger. And then again, I would ask her, okay, please tell me, you have had many failures in your life. Please tell me about one failure and now when you think about the failure, you kind of learn from it and you passed it, you, you've solved it, you managed to go through it. What happened? What skills did you use? How did you use it? Because as a coach, if we see failures and we see a lot of failures, if we focus on what happens immediately after the failure and what are the skills that this individual has to go through, we actually build resilience, which means we, we um, are able to encourage and build our own individual capacity to go through failures. And that's one of the most wonderful and important things that we can do as a coaches. So kind of like recognize the failures, don't worry about the competitions, just do minor work as a coach for a bit, search for minor steps that build the capacity to fail in the future. That is, uh, I think, a really interesting way to, to put that. And I think uh, the capacity to failure is a, is a really kind of powerful thing to think about when you think about young people and, and, and kind of development overall. Um, and a lot of people, that it's, it's, it's really interesting. It's really interesting. Um, so kind of, Feeding off of that com competition a little bit, you know, uh, go and going back to another guest that we had on, we had on Heather Mannix a while ago to talk about fun um, for athletes. So how much does enjoyment play into kind of psychological safety or is it, is it more the other way around? You have to feel psychologically safe to have fun. <laughs> very good question. I would, I would go down to the dancing again. They are both very good dance partners for each other, psychological safety and fun. They, they like to dance, <laughs> dance together. So I would say that uh, these two parts are very, very important. But if I would have to say uh, what comes first, I would have to say fun. So whenever you feel like goofing around, playing around, giving the bad jokes, playing with yourself and just, you know, show a model of uh, we can work hard, but we can still laugh. We can have fun and work hard. That would be the most important thing because whenever you um, kind of like get your athlete to laugh uh, even a bit, you know that, okay, there goes the brain. There goes the adrenaline positive hormones that relaxes the body and the brain and then gives you more space to develop and to teach different kind of things. So the, the idea of having fun when you're practicing is very important. Of course, it's very important. You don't have to feel, feel fun and be goofy uh, all over the time, but, but every now and then. And especially, I like the attraction of opposites. I really enjoy when I'm being a um, little bit like, uh, you know, kind of like demanding coach, 
and I, and I say to, to the athletes, okay, now I really want you to focus on this for three minutes. I'll give you the time frame. Three minutes, I want you to focus, check this out. I use my tone, I'll be positively demanding, I set a role, I'll give specific advice, and I want really the athlete to work with me for a certain amount of time. And then afterwards, especially when I see that the athlete really works hard, and I will have to be aware that the time, time frame is, is neutral, it's, it, it cannot be too much like, okay, let's focus on for 30 minutes, that too much. Three minutes is enough. And then I can be really demanding on that one, positively demanding. And afterwards, then I would, you know, give high five, give a bad joke, something like that, just to relax the whole situation, goofy around a bit, and again. So the attraction of opposites when we work with kids as a coach is very, very effectful because our brain functions the same way. We cannot focus on 100% for 30 minutes, but we can do it for three minutes, pause, three minutes, pause and i would use this information as a coach as well yeah that is um that's really interesting and i i'm really enjoying in this segment where we're just kind of free throwing some some questions at you and you're handling them very well so thank you i have one more here if you don't mind um again going back to another topic we've had on the show of this idea of culture um is is psychological safety is that something that changes culture to culture so for example a finnish adolescent might feel psychologically safe um, differently than uh, an American adolescent? Or, or is that kind of universal for humans? Uh, when I, would, I would have to say that it varies a bit uh, when we think about different cultures. For example, uh, well, this is kind of like black and white example. When we think about, uh, if we would think about it this way, for example, Italians. They, you know, they work a lot with their hands and body, emotions, expressions. Uh, uh, they use words, they're outgoing, expressive. And uh, I would say that when I talked before about the nonverbals, they use very well their body communications and their nonverbals. So uh, usually when you're uh, expressive and use wide range of your nonverbal uh, interaction and communication, it kind of like, you know, invites the children and the adolescents in to interact with you. And then if I would go, go down to the other directions, which I mean, our, our spins, <laughs> we are more <laughs> kind of like down to earth, our, our verbal is smooth, we're not that chatty, or, or we might just kind of like freezely be there, calm. So I would have to say that, yeah, there is a cultural difference, but I could say that I say I love Italians, but I would send my greetings to Italians, kind of like speak less and use the attraction of opposites, talk more, be aggressive, and then don't do it. And for Finns, I would say, be calm, quiet, just be a Finn, and then Give, take a little tips from the Italians as well. You can use your expressions in a situations where you, where you just have to use it. So there are differences, but every culture has something to rely on. And I would start with that and then I would, you know, put a little bit more reach and, and giving, taking a few hints from other cultures as well. 
when we think about overall that our time has pretty much advanced and there has been meanwhile there's a lot of technology and um actually i have been reading in one book i don't remember 100 which book this was anymore but um it is important to meet the um the advanced needs of the athletes um, how important is that in terms of when we think about psychological safety the advanced needs did i hear it right yeah well basically the because our the way how we live and the way how we communicate has evolved so much and we can also even break it down to communication how important is it to communicate with athletes nowadays not just personally but also maybe that we're chatting with them online whatsapp uh, facebook or whatever instagram that we meet their needs nowadays as well from that perspective yeah of course which is wonderful our time develops and so do we <laughs> i hope so at least uh, of course um, the younger the child is i would say the more the child gets from uh, meeting you live but uh, it, it doesn't mean that uh, you couldn't coach well uh, if you would meet them uh, in Facebook, or WhatsApp, or via Skype, or whatever, I would say back to the basics, the, the basic idea of being interested, being who you are, being there, using your whole wide range of communication and interaction, way of, ways of interact with people, those are the most important thing. It, it doesn't matter whether you... Um, coach them live via Skype, whatever, just be around. Uh, you can actually feel mostly of the situation if the person that you're chatting with is truly interested in you or not. I would say go down to five minutes, you know, be there, be interested, goofy around, or that would be not so good way that you would be there for 50 minutes doing something else and you would have kind of like bored blah blah you know tone in your voice so small and a good range truly from the heart and and mostly about the quality back to the basics not so much the amount and the way that you interact we have one more question for you now um what is your final message you have for coaches out there that they can implement in their coaching regarding psychological safety? Well, I will have to say, say uh, the things that I've already mentioned. I would have to say first for the coaches, um, you're doing very wonderful, very interesting and important work. When we think about that one coach can coach like 20 person, 20 athletes or like 50 athletes, the role is huge. So, so I really appreciate the work that coaches do. It's, it's very tough work as well, <laughs> but I, I recommend warmly a coaching team <laughs> if possible, because we don't have to do this on our own. We can do this together. Kind of be yourself. That would be the one. Rely on who you are so that you feel, feel safe enough. And then maybe a simple tip. Ask more questions from your athletes. And I would have to say, ask that who has coached you before or who is the person that has taught you something or you feel safe with 
and ask that what are the certain things that this individual appreciates or needs and start with that. I think that's a, a perfect way to end it and a, and a really powerful final message. So Laura, thanks for joining us today. Uh, we hope everyone enjoyed the conversation. I know um, Rick and I certainly did. So once again, thank you for your time and, and we hope you, um, or we wish you the best with everything in the future. Thank you very much for having me. Have a wonderful autumn and future years in S coaching role. <laughs>
I think looking back at, at, at some of my coaches when I was a kid and, and you, you kind of, you don't realize how much uh, kids can pick up on, on kind of nonverbal communication and, and things like that. And, you know, one thing that I've always been told to watch out for as a, as a coach, and, and I agree is, is the idea of sarcasm, right? You know, you, you may be saying something sarcastically, but the, the kids don't really understand that and can take that the wrong way. So it's really, really important, as you mentioned, to make it age appropriate to, to what their brain can kind of pick up on and, and, and understand. So, you know, one of the other things that I really liked is um, this idea of asking the, the athletes what two figures in their life kind of had the biggest impact on them and, and what they did to make them feel safe. It's, a, it's another way to build that relationship with the athlete and, and show that you care, but also a good way to learn how that athlete feels safe. Because I think it's, it's very individual what kind of makes people feel safe. So that's a, it's a, it's a good tool to kind of put in your tool belt to know, Hey, this, this player feels safe when, when, you know, these figures in their life do that. So now I can do that and help them feel safe in our environment. And I think that that's a, a really interesting one as well. And then, you know, she mentioned a little bit about being able to, to tell when an athlete's feeling unsafe or when they're feeling safe. So just the ability to repeat kind of simple questions and, and find the differences in their answers, you know, Hey, are you doing all right this week? Yeah, I'm doing fine. And then, you know, in a couple of weeks when they say, yeah, I'm okay. And stuff like that, you can really start to tell that, the, or maybe you can start to tell that the, the athlete doesn't feel as safe as they did and something is going on where, where that's a, in fact, impacting their psychological safety. So, you know, it's, it's really important. She was, she repeated a lot of the key points when it comes to psychological safety. And I think that that just shows how, how important they are when you're, when you're coaching young, young people. Yeah. Also, if you think about coaching that the first thing, what you should learn as a coach is that really all the time emphasizing the main points and the key points in any kind of session you teach. And if we translate that to the conversation we had just with Laura, she really emphasized all the time on the brain development piece, what kind of questions we should ask our athletes to make them in, uh, to make them psychological safe. And overall, I just, my final points about the conversation is that first of all, that is development overall same as psychological safety. It's not a sprint, it's a marathon. It's a very long-term process cognitively. Again, it's the brain development stages. You really need to understand that you can't ask the same question to a six or eight-year-old kid in comparison to a 22-year-old player. So that's a really important thing. And also what I wrote down is that we really need to make development psychological develop we need psychological safety systematic that's very similar to the phrase of that um that psychological development is not a sprint but not a marathon but it also goes back to the conversation we have had with Wade Gilbert that we really need to make learning systematic and that's the reason why I wanted to mention it as well yeah, I think that's a, that's an important piece as well. And, you know, thinking about my final point, I, I really like the, the quote from her that, you know, building the capacity to fail. And I think that failure, when viewed in a negative way, it's, it's such an impact on psychological safety and, and can kind of dampen the, the self-confidence of an athlete. So building that capacity to fail and, and creating an environment where, 
you know, failures, you know, as Wade said too, you know, you mentioned Wade, like you don't have to be okay with them, but understand that they're there for learning and, and, you know, understanding that the more you kind of push yourself, the more you kind of work hard and, and try new things and you can fail there and learn from those. I think that that creating that environment where the, the athletes feel safe to do that and have the capacity to fail in a positive way. I think that's a, a really interesting, interesting piece that I, I took away as a, as a final piece there. So um, I think that's, that's a good place to wrap it up for today. So once again, thanks to Laura for, for joining us today and, you know, don't forget to connect with, with her company into Valminus uh, and finish and into mental coaching service in English. Uh, they're on Instagram and, and uh, also connect with the show on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at the coaches road, check out our new website, thecoachesroad.com, And you can send us an email through there or to the coaches road at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. And we will see everyone next week.